The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. My name is Wayne Brown. I'm the campus pastor here on the West Side, and we are so honored that you're here with us this morning. Uh, we are about to kick off uh, a new series uh, for a few weeks called The Celtic Way of Evangelism. And this is actually uh, kind of a callback to a series that we did when I was on staff previously. So this is my second time on staff. I call him this my victory lap. Um, but when I was here from 2008 to 2012, we did a series back in, I think, 2011 on the Celtic Way of Evangelism. And it's one of those things that we found really helped us articulate who we are as a community. Uh, we talk about how we're Houston's holistic, missional Christian community, and this series is really gonna help put some flesh and bones on that. So I'm really excited that we're, we're gonna be kicking this off. When we pitched the idea to Chris of, hey, we should do this in the summer as we started off, he said, well, I'm taking my first ever sabbatical in 20 years, and it's such a good idea, there's no way like I'm not having a part in the series. So. Uh, what he did is he pulled our story team together, who does a great job of shooting videos and telling really great stories, and said, we're going to tell a story about this Celtic wave of evangelism. So he's going to be telling a story on the Celtic wave of evangelism from a taqueria in Houston. <laughs> and if you're like, what is happening? It's going to make sense. But I'm so excited about it because um, it's, it does. It just captures who we are so well. So if it's okay, I'd like to pray for us, and then we'll get right into the video. So would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful to be gathered in this space together. Um, we're th so thankful for music and melodies and rhythms and just the beauty that, that lies in there. And we see uh, so much beauty in it, and we're so grateful for it. And we see that it comes from you. And we just ask that as we pause now uh, to open the scriptures, and as Chris is going to be teaching us, that it would be your voice speaking into our souls that it be your words breathing life into us, shaping us, making us into the people you long for us to be. And we're so grateful for your grace. And we say all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and if you've ever had a day that you woke up and went, this is the day I was made for, I'm telling you, this day, it's my day. I woke up today and realized I'm going to go preach, and I'm going to preach at a taqueria. I'm at this great taqueria. Um, this is Gerardo's. Uh, Gerardo's is over on Patton Street in the near north side, and you won't believe, I want to tell you more about their tacos. They're amazing. It's a little grocery store, a little taqueria, and man, it's the barbacoa is it literally explodes in your mouth. So my job today is to eat tacos and preach to you. And it gets even better, because I want to preach to you about something I care a lot about. I'm going to talk to you and introduce, over the next few weeks, we're going to be in a series. We're calling it the Celtic Way of Evangelism. We're going to look back at history uh, and try to understand better how we're to be a people that tell the story of God, the story of Jesus. Um, now, some of you hear the word evangelism and you start to cringe. Maybe you grew up in the church, and it was the one thing you just went, this is what I can't stand. Um, and I'll be honest, I grew up in the same kind of context and tradition. Uh, and for me, it was really hard. A lot of the ways that we did evangelism, some of them were fear-based. <laughs> we'd have um, plays, uh, we'd have movies that literally were intended to scare people. And then when they were really afraid, we'd go, hey, 
you ought to come to Jesus because uh, it can keep you from getting your head cut off or spending eternity in hell. I, I'll just tell you, fear is a lousy long-term motivator. That fear thing didn't work. I remember reading an article by a guy named Eric Celeste many, many years ago called Saved at 10, Lost at 27. And he came to faith because he got really afraid at a church thing, but he didn't really come to faith. That's not what we're talking about. Or maybe you were a part of a tradition where they gave you a different prop. Maybe it was a funky looking Rubik's Cube that had Jesus on it. Or maybe it was a bracelet with some funky colors and everyone kind of intended or meant something. Or even worse, um, I don't know if you're walking from time to time and you're walking around and all of a sudden you see, oh, there's a $20 bill somebody left. And you walk up there and it's not really a $20 bill. It's like somebody's track. Um, I don't know of anybody that's going to come to faith in Jesus because you tricked them with fake money, right? This is a bad idea. And the truth is, Ecclesia, and this is what I want you to hear today. Evangelism shouldn't be something scary or something that you push away. If Jesus is the love of your life, right? Uh, I'm, I'm blessed uh, with a wife and kids, and I love them dearly, but I got to tell you, Jesus is the great love of my life. And Jesus' love for me has changed everything for me. And in the same way, if I was going to talk to you about my wife, Lisa, or my kids, if I needed their driver's license to tell you, well, Lisa is 5'6", and she lives, I'm not going to tell you our address because some creepy people show up, but I'm just telling you, if I needed the facts so that I could tell you about Lisa, what I'd tell you about Lisa is, let me tell you what a great mom she is. When I'm not patient at all, how she's able to be patient. Let me tell you about my kids and how beautiful and smart and remarkable they are, right? If, if I needed a, a list of facts about them to talk to you about them something would be wrong you'd be like you don't even know your wife you got a quote all she's five six and she's got uh brown hair and green eyes and it, isn't there more to it and i'm telling you ecclesia it ought to be the same when we talk about jesus when you talk about the fact that you believe that god came to earth to change the circumstances of all people in all places that ought to be something you can talk about with passion and beauty and creativity. And one of the great things is that if you didn't learn that in your church growing up, or maybe at Ecclesia, we hadn't done a good job of teaching you that yet. We're going to try to do that over the next few weeks, by the way. We're going to look back in history at Celtic Christianity. Now, if you know anything about Celtic Christianity, you know this. There wouldn't be Celtic Christianity apart from a guy named St. Patrick. Now, St. Patrick... He's an amazing, amazing historical figure and person. But most of you, when I mention St. Patrick, what do you think of? Green beer. That's about all most of you know about St. Patrick. And we think there's a lot more to history, especially as it relates to the church, to St. Patrick than green beer. And uh, so I want to share with you this quick video. This is done by CBS uh, online. And CBS thought it's a great idea, and I really agree with them to send a camera crew out and interview inebriated people. We may try to do the same. We're just gonna set up a flying saucer and talk to people and see what they have to say. But in this instance, they're asking people, who is St. Patrick? Hi, I'm Nick Dietz for CBSNews.com. We're here on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan for the 2011 St. Patrick's Day Parade. And on a day where everyone is apparently Irish, we're on a mission to find out who exactly knows who St. Patrick was. Let's find out. Uh, he was a saint. <laughs> uh, I actually know this one, and I don't. I have no idea, but I am 100% Irish. He was a big partier, I guarantee it. St. Patrick was an Irish man. Can you tell us who St. Patrick was? 
It's um a saint. That was I don't know. He rushed snakes out of Ireland. That he did. I've seen the animated film of this movie. <laughs> he was an Italian. Yeah, that's shoemaker. Well, I know he was Italian. I don't know about the shoemaker thing, but... He's a pa patron saint of uh, Ireland. Some Irish guy. <laughs> Who is he? Who is St. Pat? That's what I'm asking you. It's the patron saint of Ireland. Can any of the parents, by chance, tell us who St. Patrick was? Anybody at all on St. Patrick's Day in the crowd? St. Patrick is the patron saint of Ireland. He was probably born in Wales and was captured by Irish sea raiders and brought to Ireland enslaved. And he prayed to God to have himself released, and he was released, and he went back and he became a bishop, and he returned to Ireland to convert Ireland from paganism to Christianity, and that's who St. Patrick was. Wow. So, see if you, uh, you may have the same reaction that I did. I'm obsessed with that last guy. Um, that guy's amazing. He's going to be my friend. I'm going to track him down and find him, get his email, and we will be having a Guinness together at some point. Hopefully, uh, you learned a little bit now about St. Patrick. I'd love to tell you a little bit more. St. Patrick was born in England, and what we know, there's all kinds of legends, what we know is that uh, in his early life, especially as a teenager, he got into trouble, like he got into a lot of trouble. If you think of your teenage years, ramp it up like that much more. Uh, St. Patrick was notorious uh, for having a biting sense of humor. He was very harsh towards the church, even though his grandfather was a Catholic priest, uh, his father was a deacon. And he got into every kind of trouble you could get into. Uh, something changed radically for him when he was 16. And that some uh, Celtic raiders, literally pirates uh, in that day, uh, brought boats near the villages that he lived and captured a hundred or more uh, young men, young boys. And they took them to the Celtic and Irish Isles and they sold them into slavery. And at 16, Patrick became a slave. Now, most of us think it's the hard times in life that we want to avoid, and naturally, we do want to avoid them, but uh, in Patrick's life, as is likely the case in our life, as much as we hate to admit it, it's the hard seasons that we actually learn, we're changed, right? None of us are transformed by sitting around eating chocolate cake all day. But when you go through something hard, it shapes your character, and it shaped Patrick's character, literally. He became uh, a sheep herder in the Celtic Irish Isles. Literally, I was there um, years ago, you think you know green until you go to Ireland. You realize that's a different level of green. And this big hill, Schlemish, is where they say Patrick uh, tended the sheep and the goats. And what we know about Patrick is when he became a sheep herder, um, he became uh, a follower of God. He, uh, he was out in nature all the time. And being out in nature, he could just see God's beauty and activity in the world. And he became this person all of a sudden that um, he was known uh, among his captors as being a person who prayed a hundred times a day. He was just constantly praying. In fact, they used to call him little holy boy. Uh, he would care for the sheep and the goats. And in that place, he actually grew to love some of the people around him, even though he was a slave. One night, he was awakened by a dream. And in the dream, he felt like God spoke to him and God just said, go east. And he got up and he started walking east. And he ended up making it to the coast where there was a ship, he was able to get on the ship and return home to England. Now, when he returned home to England, they were like, what happened? He's a different kind of man. He was a young man. And Patrick enrolled in seminary. He became a priest. He spent his life serving in the church and was a very effective uh, minister and pastor. What we know is that when Patrick got into his 40s, he had another dream. 
And in this dream, um, he was given a stack of letters. And when he opened the first letter, uh, the first letter said to him, Oh, holy boy, come and walk amongst us again. That's what his captors called him in the Celtic and Irish Isles. And Patrick took this dream as an invitation to become a missionary in the Celtic and Irish Isles. And so he petitioned the church to say, I want to go there and start churches and tell the story of Jesus. Now, this is where it gets unbelievably interesting. Patrick went to this place uh, that was very spiritual. Um, the, the, the people of the Celtic and Irish Isles or were pagans and druids, and they often worshiped nature. They were deeply spiritual, but they didn't know the things of God. And when Patrick um, arrived back at the island, people remembered him. They knew who he was. And he arrived with this love for the people, and he started to explain that you, you're not really worshiping this tree. The tree is not the object of, of worship. It's the God who made the tree, right? And, and he, with great creativity, called people into a life to understand the beauty and the truth of God. Now, Ecclesia, you can probably tell already, this is our strategy. This is what we think we're made to do. I'm not going to buy you some goofy bracelets. I'm not going to give you a bunch of tracks uh, with fake money and ask you to throw them around and trick people. I'm not going to ask you to show films that are going to scare people about hell. I don't want you to do any of that. I want you to do what Patrick did. Show up and love people and point out the ways that you see that God's active in the world. That's what Patrick did. And you may wonder, like, do I really have to do this? Am I supposed to do this? And I would tell you, it's not that you have to, it's that you get to. When you know and love Jesus, if you've got anybody that you love, you want them to know who Jesus is. But I will tell you that Jesus says that we should. Matthew 28, this is what he calls us to. Jesus says, I'm here speaking with all the authority of God who's commanded me to give you this commission. Jesus commissions his disciples, and through Matthew 28, commissions each of us. So if you get a commission, you ought to think, well, I, I don't know what it is, because it sounds like if it comes from Jesus, it's something I should do. He says this. He says, go out and make disciples in all the nations. Just like I've had these 12 disciples, I want you to go out and disciple other people. Live with them, walk with them. Teach them about God as you walk around. Hey, here's the... Uh, the farm, what can we learn about God on the farm? And here's the political system, what can we learn about God here, that his kingdom's different? Everywhere Jesus went, he was just teaching what he knew. And people were learning, his disciples were learning. And we're called, he says, to do the same. Then he says, ceremonially wash them through baptism in the name of the triune God. A couple things I want you to notice here. One, baptism's important because Jesus said it was. Some of you are here and you're following Jesus and you hadn't been baptized yet. And um, you can still follow Jesus, but something beautiful happens when you commit to say, I want to do this thing Jesus asked me to do. And what we've learned is um, in that obedience, you're going to grow spiritually. The other thing that's going to happen, and, and this is really important at Ecclesia, when you get baptized, you know what you need to do? Invite your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, tell them I'm getting baptized. At the end of it, you should buy drinks and food for people because it's part of a celebration. But you ought to say to all your friends, I'm getting baptized. I'd really love for you to come to my church. And what we've experienced at Ecclesia is when people do that, their friends and neighbors go, you know what? Maybe I should be baptized. Maybe I should follow Jesus. My life is lacking some meaning and purpose, and I've struggled. Man, that'd be a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then he, he says, I'm going to baptize them in the name of the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes people will come and ask me, depending on what tradition you've come from, hey, at Ecclesia, 
um, when you pray, you pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And some people will have a little bit of an agenda. They'll be like, all you need is Jesus. And um, so I'm not going to disagree that we need Jesus, but Jesus seemed to think that um, it was important to acknowledge the whole of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're in some tradition, they'll focus more on one than the other. But we really believe that God speaks to us fully through the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and through the Spirit that comes to live and dwell within us. And that's part of following God well. It says, then he says, then disciple them. Form them in the practices and the postures that I have taught you. And show them how to follow the commands I have laid down for you. And I will be with you day after day to the end of the age. Patrick took this commission seriously. So much so that he went back to the place where he'd been a slave. Now most of you are realizing like, they could enslave him again. Yeah, they totally could. It was totally a risk for him, his whole life. But he went back, he loved these people. And what we see happen in the Celtic and Irish Isles, Ecclesia, is what I'm praying would happen in Houston, Texas. The Celtic and Irish Isles were the least Christian nation part of the world. And what we know is that after Patrick's years of service, the Celtic and Irish Isles became the most Christian region. Can you imagine that? No Christians to Everybody, they came to faith. And how did they do it? And that's what I want to share with you, and that's what we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. He didn't have any bracelets. He didn't have any fake tracks. This is what he had. He had stories. He had stories about Jesus. And this is part of what he did really well, was he would invite people not just to hear the story, but to live out the story. They would literally put on plays and performances of what would happen in the life of Jesus. Now, um, this is one of the things I spent um, more than a decade getting to lead a team with Thomas Nelson Bibles uh, to translate the voice, the New Testament and the Old Testament. And part of what you're going to see when you read it is that it's often laid out like a screenplay. One of the reasons is that when you read it sometimes, you're confused about who's talking. It just makes it easier. The other reason is my hope was that Ecclesia small groups, that other people would get together. And then when you read it, you wouldn't just have one person read it in a boring way. You'd go, hey, you want to be Jesus today and you want to be Judas and let's read it and let's add a little bit of flair, act it out a bit, show some emotion and really enter into the story. And we've experienced at Ecclesia that if we'll enter into the story that way, beautiful things happen. So Ecclesia, I'd love for you to do that. Um, read the Bible together. Invite your friends to read the Bible. If you've got a friend that you'd like to share a Bible with, we'll get one for you. We'd love to do that. We would love for people all around us to hear and experience the story of God. But one of the best ways to do it is to read it in some non-traditional ways. Engage it in a creative way. The other thing Patrick was really good at was just pointing to the things around him, right? The Celtic and Irish people um, loved, they were almost obsessed with this three-leaf clover, right? And uh, Patrick could come to them and say, you know why you're obsessed with this? It represents the triune God. And he talked to them about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're like, wow, their minds were blown. They couldn't even believe it. They also gathered around in really authentic ways. The Celtic and Irish people believed that their spiritual journey was meant to be shared together. And part of what I love about St. Patrick is he didn't go in to evangelize them and find the places where he thought they were wrong and then argue with them. You may have experienced 
some forms of evangelism like this, where we come in as the knowers, we're, uh, we're the ones dominating because we can say you're wrong and I'm right. And in fact, we'll use apologetics and other things. There's nothing wrong with uh, learning about your faith. It's that if you use it in a way uh, that, that is attacking others' beliefs, you're not gonna go very far. What Patrick did was the opposite. He said, let me find the places we agree and let's lean into those. And then as they were discipled, they learned, hey, the other thing that you believe that wasn't really right. Um, but one of the things that the Celtic and Irish people really believed was that we had soul friends. We have friends on a soul level. And, um, and we're gonna talk more about this as we go on, but I, I believe this too. I believe you find spiritual friends, you connect and you're good for each other. You bring out the best in each other. And Patrick leaned into that in some really beautiful ways. And so they had small groups of people that shared their life together. And you know the main thing they did when they shared their life together? You're gonna love this Ecclesia. They ate. They ate and they loved to eat food and talk about the food. And when they would eat the food, they would um, find ways to connect it with the story of God and their story, things that they learned. And they love to eat amazing food. It's why we're here. It's why I'm, I'm gonna encourage you, not only come to Gerardo's, um, this barbacoa, Literally, it, it explodes in your mouth. It is so good. If you can eat this and you don't believe in God, something, I, I don't know, something really difficult has happened in your story. Because when I taste this, I think there must be a God. Because he put all these things here on earth to give us all of these flavors. In fact, what I'd encourage you to do is we talk about the Celtic way of evangelism at Ecclesia. I know this is a hard ask from a pastor, but this is what I want you to think about. Over the next three or four weeks, would you try to hit 10 taquerias in our city? Just take a friend and go to a taqueria and eat something maybe that you don't even know what it is. You, you just point, just go, I'll take that. And, um, and then talk about it. Can you, wow, what is that? Where'd that come from? What region of Mexico is that taco representing? And just enjoy it, enjoy the beauty of it and thank God for it. And just mention along the way to your friend, maybe it's a Christian friend, maybe it's not a Christian friend that you can't believe that God would give us so many beautiful flavors and foods. Uh, this isn't gonna even cost you anything. I'm telling you, the taqueria I go to, and this is the thing you ought to do, I love to tip 100% when I go to a taqueria. You feel like the most generous person in the world. And even those of us that are struggling, we can still tip pretty well at a taqueria. It's the Ecclesia Taqueria Challenge. Will you think about it? This is what I wanna invite you to do, Ecclesia. Join us over the next few weeks and ask yourself, a few questions, but there's one that I want to really come to the surface. Is there one friend in my life that I should do a better job of sharing Jesus with? Not in a weird, manipulative way, but if I fully believe that God was fully human and fully divine, that he came to rescue the world, surely I want my friends to know. And at the very core of who we are, we don't believe God's looking to judge the world. We don't believe he's looking to send people to hell. But we also know that it's important, the scriptures tell us, that people don't reject God, maybe because they don't know who he really is. Now, the one thing Jesus makes really clear is that none of us know exactly who's gonna be in heaven, right? Part of what Jesus says to us is that the two most popular phrases in heaven essentially are gonna be, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> You're gonna see people and be like, I didn't think you were gonna get in. And hey, where's so-and-so? Like, weren't they really religious? I don't think they're here. Right? He's just saying, I save people in ways you can't understand. We don't need to understand it. But what we do want to know is that we want to invite people into a relationship with a loving Savior. I think that's a good thing, Ecclesia. It's never a bad thing. So 
as we get to share um, a few moments of just some practical ideas as we come to communion, will you join with me in prayer? And will you ask God just to help point you to somebody that you can invite to a taqueria? 10 taquerias in 30 days, you can do it. I believe in you. Let me pray for you. Lord God, I thank you for the people of Ecclesia. I thank you that because we believe that God has come to us and shown us love, that that love shouldn't just stay with us. It should be shared with people and that we don't have to share it in a weird way. We get to invite people to eat a taco and share life and point to the beauty of nature and creation and all the things that you have done for us in this world. And I pray over the coming weeks, you would help us to do it well. We pray for a transformation in Houston, Texas that would be like the transformation in the Celtic and Irish Isles, where with beauty and creativity, we tell the story of Jesus in a way that people go, I think I'd like to follow Jesus. We think that would be a gift. And so we thank you, God, for your many, many blessings. We pray all of this together, and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. The Ecclesia Taqueria Challenge, right? Um, um, I love this. And I, part of why I think it's so unpacks this idea of the Celtic way of evangelism is it's looking for what's happening in the world around us, what's happening in our culture that is beautiful and is good, and how do we step into that? You know, where I lived before I moved back to, to Houston was Jackson, Mississippi, and there would have been no way to do the Jackson, Mississippi Taqueria Challenge, right? They weren't there. So uh, lots of good fried chicken and other like fried things. But, uh, you know, when I got back, people were like, you look like you've lost weight. And we're like, yes, this is what happens in the absence of good Tex-Mex, you know? So I'm putting it back on slowly. But I, I love this idea of, hey, going to 10 taquerias in 30 days, that's one way that we can uh, connect with people and find interesting and creative ways to invite them into the beauty that God loves them. But there's so many different ways to do that. And really what we're inviting you into is a quest, a search for beauty, and to just point out those spaces where you can feel the gratitude well up and say, hey, this is proof that God loves us. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from Benjamin Franklin uh, is where he says, beer is proof that God loves us and intended us to be happy. <laughs> And I say that about the NBA Finals. I say that about the Astros. I say that about so many different things. And I think what we're calling you into is where are those spaces where you see the proof that God loves us and intended us to be happy? And who are the friends that you can invite into those spaces where you get to share your joy and appreciation for that beauty with you? Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.